MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, July 8th, 2021. Today, Trump files lawsuits against Twitter and Facebook under totally wrong and idiotic pretenses. Rep Mo Brooks issues his defense in the insurrection lawsuit brought by Eric Swalwell, also totally wrong and idiotic pretenses. The FBI has infiltrated a Bible study group that discussed surveying the Capitol and seceding from the Union. And a friend and golfing buddy of the former guy has been charged with groping one of his patients. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, Dana, how's it going? It is going. I am. I got a little bit of nervous butterflies for tonight, but I'm excited to perform. Oh, you're going to be so good. And I tell you, like, you've been doing comedy probably a lot more often than I have, like, just in general in life. Just, But <laughs> when I got up on stage, like, after the first joke hit, which, you know, for for us, like who've been doing it for multiple years, happens within the first 30 seconds or so. Yeah. It, it's just sort of all kind of clears away. And it's just like, oh, yeah. All right. It's like riding by. All right. I trust. I trust. Yeah, but I'm, I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Ah, I'm well. A funny thing happened today. Um, um, later on the show, I'm going to be talking to Adam Klasfeld. We're going to do an update on Lynn Wood and him throwing John Pierce under the bus. That's all part of the Kyle Rittenhouse case uh, and that really great episode of his podcast called Objections, where he talked about Kyle Rittenhouse's mom being mad at Pierce and Lynn Wood be getting punched in the face. Just a whole thing. But there's an, he has an update on that. And then we also talk about, remember uh, how on July 6th that there were supposed to be a sanctions hearing for the Kraken? Yes. Yeah. That got postponed. Because one of the lawyers, one of the elite strike force, had the Fourth of July plans, so they postponed the Zoom call. <laughs> and uh, we're going to give you an update on that. But something really hilarious happened as soon as we rewrapped the interview, and I sent it off to the producers. There was an update in the case that he and I had predicted not like five minutes before that. That's amazing and not surprising. You do it often. So we so we actually hopped back on a Zoom call. It's you'll see. It's going to be super funny. You're going to love it. And uh, other than that, not much else going on. Um, yeah, no, that's that's really all the news I have. But I'm super excited about that's your show. Definitely not all the news that we have. We've got a shit ton just like every day. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't stop. Oh, I did want to update everybody because this didn't make it into this show. We may talk about it uh, tomorrow. But you know how Rudy Giuliani was uh, barred from suspended. His license was suspended in New York. They suspended his D.C. license today as well. Oh, yeah. that's so sad. Do you care, A.G.? I don't. I don't really care. I shouldn't say that. I do care. I'm elated, <laughs> actually. I, I I cared more than I thought. Yeah, <laughs> yes. And uh, something else. Oh, uh, Tucker Carlson in the NSA. Uh, apparently he has Kremlin contacts. We're going to talk about that tomorrow. And then I'm going to do, uh, we're going to, uh, with Andrew Torres on Clean Up on Al 45, Next week, uh, we're going to break down these Trump lawsuits, uh, which have been touted as a distraction, but are just full of comedy gold. That's why we talk about them. So, Oh, indeed. Indeed. Okay. <laughs> but they are part of the news today. So let's do it. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. So, yes, as I said, former president, uh, well, <laughs> former guy on Wednesday filed proposed class action lawsuits targeting Facebook 
Mark Zuckerberg, Twitter, Jack Dorsey, and YouTube and its parent company and their CEO as well in a Hail Mary move after being removed from their platforms. Obviously, courts have typically dismissed similar suits and typically is is that's that's an understatement. <laughs> they they've always <laughs> uh, and these are likely doomed from the start as well. First of all, one of the funny parts of this lawsuit is you look at it and all the lawyers, Trump's lawyers, sign it at the end. A couple of them have AOL email addresses. And, you know, I don't know. And I'm sure MySpace accounts. Yeah. Still. And Angel Fire <laughs> websites. But anyway, the announcement about the lawsuits comes after these companies removed the former guy's access to their platforms in the aftermath of the insurrection. Twitter banned Trump altogether. And he's currently suspended from Facebook for two years. YouTube also suspended Trump in January, but said in March that his account would be reinstated when the company is confident that the risk of violence has receded. (laughs) Tech companies consistently rejected claims that their platforms discriminate on partisan ideology and studies have not corroborated these accusations. And several have actually found the partisan voices, particularly on the right, are among the most engaged with on those platforms. But tech companies are legally permitted to run their platforms as they see fit. They are private companies. Courts have dismissed a string of similar lawsuits. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube all cited the potential for future incitement of violence risks for public safety following the Capitol riot and announcing their decision, their decisions to kick the former guy to the curb. Trump announced the suits during a press conference Wednesday, saying that he's asking a court in Florida, quote, to order an immediate halt to social media companies, illegal, shameful censorship of the American people. And uh, less than an hour after that event, Trump's team began sending out fundraising appeals related to the lawsuit. Of course. Mm-hmm. That's all this is. It's a distraction from the fact that his organization uh, with two entities in his organization and his CFO were just indicted. The reason I'm talking about it again is because it's fucking funny. And so I just wanted to (laughs) make that clear. Uh, But the push to bring legal action against tech platforms over bias has spread nationwide. In May of this year, Florida passed a law allowing politicians that have been suspended or removed from social media to sue the companies. But the effort has run up against the realities of law and the Constitution. And and the Constitution. Uh, yeah, last... They like the amendments unless they affect that. Yeah. Last week, a federal judge blocked Florida's law from going into effect, saying government attempts to force social media companies to host political speech violates the First Amendment. And, uh, you know, Death Santis has said he's going to appeal. Of course he is. But, you know, this, this is Section 230. These are private platforms. The First Amendment only applies to government state things. And it's just it's a dumb argument. They know that they aren't going to win. Uh, they're just doing it for fundraising purposes. Well, I think the funniest thing, too, is all these conservatives amplifying this on their social media platforms, saying that social media platforms are censoring conservatives. And I'd hope that whoever is defending this in court takes all of these tweets and is like, how can you say there's censorship when they're all on their social media platforms talking about your censorship? Yeah, it reminded me of when... Uh, Josh Hawley, I think, had a book about big tech yeah. and uh, and censorship. Yeah. And I'm like, said the guy on Twitter who wrote a book about it. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? Jordan on Fox News. But, but the conservative voices aren't being heard. I'm like, that's because I muted the television, you jackass. <laughs> For Hawley's book, you know, it's on sale on Amazon, right? And so I'm like, said, said right. the guy on Twitter about the book he just wrote that's for sale on Amazon. What a bunch of... Fu- yeah, and your tweet was so funny about that. Now... A key claim in these suits is that because it coordinated with and relied on the guidance of public health officials around information and misinformation about COVID, social media should be treated as a state actor. That's their argument. So they're trying to actually argue 
that these private companies are state actors. And that's just fucking stupid. Yeah. Again, this is just a fundraising stunt. And many people have been, you know, Tim O'Brien and stuff on Twitter. They're like, oh, Discovery will be interesting. I'm super sorry to break it to you. It's not even going to get to the Discovery portion. In my opinion, it'll be dismissed immediately because Trump has no claim where relief can be granted because Twitter and Facebook are private companies. So put some beans on that. There you go. So this next story, I hope to give you a laugh at the beginning, because when I read about this before I saw the script, it's about the FBI infiltrating a Bible study group, but it's a, a Bible study group in Virginia. And so you can imagine three times I read the FBI infiltrates a vagina Bible study group. And I had to read it three times to realize it was saying Virginia because I was like a vagina Bible study group. Anyway, so might as well be considering everything they were talking about during their meetings. Not to mention all the guys. They're a bunch of pussies. Oh, put that one down. Okay. We try to view. Tip your weight weight step. Okay. The FBI. Let's start at the top has infiltrated a Bible study group in Virginia that after January 6th riot had members discussing surveilling the U.S. Capitol and their wish for secession from the U.S. and investigators closely followed one member's plans to build and test Molotov cocktails. Now that's according to a recent unsealed court record. This is a startling new case. Landing six months after the pro-Trump insurrection, this adds to the more than 500 Capitol riot federal criminal cases. 500 already in court, and fleshes out what's known about the Justice Department's understanding of the continued interests of right-wing extremists to allegedly interfere with the U.S. government and discuss with each other how to do so. The new case highlights one group's members' apparent interest in a second American civil war. So the newly disclosed criminal case, this is against Virginia man Fi Duong, who also goes by Monkey King and Jim. I'm sorry, we have an episode title. Yep. Monkey King and Jim. It sounds like Jake and the Fat Man, like some weird 70s sitcom where there's a basset hound. I mean, I can understand why if your name was Fi Duong, that somehow Jim would be your nickname. Um, That's according to the court record. And so that all arose after Duong interacted with undercover law enforcement (laughs) officers several times on January 6th and into recent months when the FBI ultimately gained access to his group in Virginia, then accompanied him to an old jail as Duong allegedly pursued bomb building. This guy's a fucking tool. Hats off to the FBI for infiltrating these groups. I always imagine something like, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Steve Buscemi, you know, when he's got the baseball hat and the skateboard and says, hello, fellow kids. Like, that's how I kind of always assume these infiltrations go. But I, you know, I don't want to insult our (laughs) FBI uh, undercover uh, agents. They're truly amazing. But yeah, all of these groups... All of them have FBI agents in their ranks. All of them. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. So, and to end this story, law enforcement's undercover interactions with Duong and his contacts since January laid out all of them in a 14-page statement from the FBI filed in court in recent days to support his arrest and initial charges. So, (laughs) Jim is in trouble. That's all I have to say. Jim's in a lot of trouble, Allison. I am the monkey king, and I... (laughs) can't make bombs, apparently. Uh, It makes me wonder. Maybe he'll meet Tiger King. I don't know why these people call themselves this shit, but okay. Makes me wonder if this has anything to do with the bombs planted at RNC DNC. Oh, yes. And and we also know there was another couple of people who had like a carload of Molotov cocktails. It's just interesting, interesting details to bring up, but that doesn't mean that they're connected at all. I just, it's hmm, weird. Hmm, interesting. Isn't that peculiar? Isn't that special? 
Hmm, yeah, it's being shown. All right, next up, quick content warning for this next story for sexual assault. A friend and golfing partner of the former guy who gained notoriety for using that friendship to lobby Trump's administration was charged with indecent assault last week in Pennsylvania on allegations he groped one of his dental patients, according to court documents. Albert Hazuri Jr., a 65-year-old dentist from Scranton, is best known for a 2017 note he wrote Trump using stationery from Trump's own Mar-a-Lago club to push a proposal for an oversight committee on dental spending. Okay. The note, which addressed Trump as Dear King, came to symbolize Monkey King or... Uh, anyway, Dear King came to symbolize <laughs> the way that Trump blended business with government, giving his customers and friends an audience to lobby for their private causes. In charging documents filed last week, police said Hazuri had groped a female patient after a dental procedure. In an affidavit, Scranton police detective Dina Albanese wrote that Hazuri offered to walk the woman to her car after the procedure. Then when the two were in a stairwell, Hazuri allegedly told the patient to get on his back like a piggyback ride. And the woman said, no. Yeah. And then, quote, Hazuri backed up into her, wrapped his hands around her and grabbed her buttocks and squeezed them. At the bottom of the stairs, she wrote, Hazuri also grabbed the woman's breasts and groin. The woman went to the police headquarters the same day, according to a police affidavit. I'm so glad she just went and reported immediately. Albanese had the woman call Hazuri on a recorded line. Quote, he stated it was a mistake and he didn't realize he did it until after it was over. The detective wrote he apologized and offered her free dental needs as long as she lives. Jesus Christ. So that's total admission of guilt and disgusting. And there are only three misdemeanor charges, by the way, which is bullshit should be a felony. They each carry a penalty of up to two years in prison. I'm sure that will be served concurrently and not consecutively or up to a five thousand dollar fine. He might miss prison altogether. He was released on a seventy five thousand dollar bond. And his next hearing is July 20th. And the charges against Hazuri were first reported by the Times Tribune newspaper in Scranton. All right. Uh, we're moving on from one douchebag to another. It looks like Rep. Mo Brooks in Alabama on Friday filed a motion to be dismissed from the lawsuit brought against him by Rep. Eric Swalwell for his role in allegedly inciting the deadly January 6th Capitol riot. So in court documents filed on Friday, Brooks argued that the speech he gave at the Stop the Steal rally that preceded the Capitol attack was done within quote, the scope of his office as a U.S. congressman. I'm member. I'm just so tired of this, A.G. That's what that was. It's just such bullshit. So he also argued that the tweets that Swalwell cited in his lawsuit fell under his official duties as a congressman as they had been made on his official congressional government account on congressional devices and were drafted by congressional staffers. Now, in five tweets cited by Swalwell's team, Brooks appeared to cast doubt on the legitimacy of Biden's election victory, writing, I'm going to be very hesitant to certify the results of this election if Joe Biden is declared the winner under these circumstances because I lack faith that this was an honest election. Mm. Yeah. U.S. District Judge Amit Mehta, in a series of orders this week, set a July 27th deadline for Swalwell to respond to Brooks's petition for the case to be dismissed against him because he was acting in his role as a member of the House of Representatives. So also the general counsel for the House of Representatives has the same deadline to respond to Brooks's assertion that he was acting within the scope of his office. So Brooks has until August 10th deadline to respond to those responses. Mm. Okay. Now, time has not softened Brooks' stance, apparently. This is what he's saying. Trump rightfully should be in the White House, serving his second term in office. Despite that stance, there continues to be no evidence of widespread voter fraud that would have affected the outcome of the election. So in an affidavit, 
Brooks incorrectly lists the date of the election as December 3rd, 2020, which is just the first hilarious part. Because as we all know, the election was November 3rd, not December 3rd. Just like there's not 31 days in June. Marge Green. Anyway. Although although on June 31st, the Trump organization was indicted, a.k.a. July 1st. <laughs> now, this is a quote. And in my judgment, the evidence is overwhelming and compelling that December 3rd, 2020 elections were the most voter fraud and election theft riddled of any election in the United States history. That's what Brooks said in the affidavit. Brooks does not elaborate on any of the, quote, evidence he referred to in his statements. So there's no elaboration. The date's not right. I'm sure everyone's taking this very seriously. Yeah. And everybody gird your loins. Uh, the, the courts might decide that because of the speech and debate clause, uh, that, that anything he says is within the scope of his job. It'll be interesting to see how that turns out, though, because as we know, you know, Trump may also be being investigated or will be investigated possibly for the incitation of the insurrection. And and he will say, much like he said in the E. Jean Carroll case, I was just saying that as part of my job as president. Right. I assume I don't know yet. These are just beans. But I assume Eric Swalwell and his attorney's argument will be inciting an insurrection or sedition cannot be constitutionally within the scope of your duty. It's actually literally outside the scope of your duty. It's the opposite. It's it's also going against the oath you take when you're sworn into office. Precisely. So it'll be really interesting to see how the court comes down on this. I they've okayed so much shit for the speech and debate clause for I I did it as part of my job. But I I don't know how. Of course, I've never seen sedition cases like this or an insurrection in my lifetime. So it'll be interesting to see if the court decides that inciting an insurrection is within can be protected by the speech and debate clause. It's just going to be a very interesting question to, to be solved by the court. It would be probably the first time. And I know, you know, we, we've seen courts not liking to do stuff for the first time. So we'll see what happens. Anyway, we'll be right back with the host of the Objections podcast, Adam Klasfeld, for an update on the Lynn Wood situation. And we're going to discuss the Kraken sanctions. And there'll be a, an as we record update that happens. It's going to be really great. Stay with Ooh. us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG for the Beans. Have you ever had an acne breakout come at the worst possible time? I did, like the day before my wedding, and uh, that portended well. However, you know, I thought it would get this zit clemency as I got older, but it turns out not so much. And that's why I want to talk to you about Apostrophe. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed oral and topical medications that are clinically proven to help clear up acne. Apostrophe connects you with a board-certified dermatologist who will create a personalized treatment plan that is perfectly tailored to your skin. You simply fill out Apostrophe's online quiz about your skin goals and a little bit about your medical history, snap a couple of selfies, send to your dermatologist, and they will create your customized treatment plan. Apostrophe treats acne, but they also can help you hit your other skincare goals like reducing redness, reducing fine lines and wrinkles, and even reducing dark spots. My personal goals include the dark spots and the fine lines and wrinkles, and of course, the acne because zit clemency just doesn't seem to be coming. And I love apostrophe because I get a real dermatologist and my plan was tailored just for me. Submitting for my visit was quick and easy. I didn't have to schedule an appointment or go to a waiting room or sit in traffic. And best of all, I didn't have to go to the pharmacy when it was all over and wait in line to get my meds. They sent them directly to my house. And the prescription medications feel great. They absorb nicely. They're nice and light. They feel good on the skin. And it's just really wonderful products that they send you. And we have a special deal for you. You can save $15 off your first visit with a board-certified dermatologist at apostrophe.com slash beans when you use our code beans. This code is only available to you. So to get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash beans, click on begin visit, 
Then use our code BEANS at sign up and you'll get $15 off your dermatology visit. That's apostrophe, A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E dot com slash BEANS. And use the code BEANS to get your dermatology visit and save $15. And we thank Apostrophe for sponsoring the show. All right, everybody, welcome back. Today, I am joined by our friend, host of the Objections podcast, Adam Klassfeld. Adam, how are you? Doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing so great. Thank you very much for asking. And I wanted to bring you on because I saw a story, you know, breaking news, breaking news. I'm like, is it though? And (laughs) I wanted to get your uh, input on this. The title of this particular article from The Hill is Lynn Wood throws John Pierce under the bus on Kyle Rittenhouse financial allegations. And the last time you and I talked about this, we talked about that amazing episode you put out for objections where you where you spoke to a lot of different players in this particular case and specifically talking about John Pierce and Lynwood here and that legal defense fund for Kyle Rittenhouse. Can you talk, just give a little bit of background, remind everybody what sort of went down? Absolutely. So the name of that entity, it's called the Fight Back Foundation. And what I found out in working on that episode is that it apparently didn't start out as Kyle Rittenhouse's legal defense fund. It started as this kind of one-size-fits-all 501c4 entity on whatever the directors essentially wanted to focus on. But eventually it became associated with Kyle Rittenhouse because the directors were. And also, according to one of the people who I interviewed, a former executive director with Fight Back Foundation named Dave Hancock, uh, because Hancock was involved in the uh, Kyle Rittenhouse case, tried to interest Lynn Wood. Uh, That's his account of it. And so Hmm. they got involved in it. They raised millions of dollars for Kyle Rittenhouse's bail. And what we, the story that we broke on the show there was that Kyle Brinhouse's mother, Wendy, demanded an audit. She didn't know what all of, where all of the money that everyone had uh, fundraised via this 501c4 entity, where it went to. So she wanted to see the books. She told me on the show that she demanded to see the books and was rebuffed. And what Hill Reporter uh, noted is that Linwood, now no longer on uh, Twitter in the post uh, January 6th purge, it had posted on Telegram that I learned the lesson the hard way when the truth was revealed, says I should never have gotten involved with John Pierce and Dave Hancock. Um, so I, I should note there's a history to that, that uh that when I was seeking his comment for that show, he distanced himself from the Rittenhouse case. He said, I'm not a criminal defense attorney. I'm a defamation attorney. And so he claimed that he wasn't intricately involved in making the decisions for that. And one can only presume that the pressure that has been building since the Rittenhouse family came out so publicly against him has been building because he has going out to his hundreds of thousands of followers on Telegram and emphasizing, hey, I I should never have become involved with these guys. And by the way, I'm just a defamation attorney. I did I'm not involved with the case. Um, so he's 
trying to distance himself further. And that's what this recent development is all about. Yeah. So, the, I mean, this isn't really breaking so much because, you know, from our discussions that we had a while ago, weeks ago, he was already like, nah, I'm not involved in this. Now he's just sort of putting it out there, piling it on. But I'm wondering, why do you think he is now continuing to publicly distance himself from John Pierce? Do you think John Pierce is in some sort of legal trouble here? Well, I mean, one can only speculate, right? But it seems that John Pierce has certainly spoken about pressure on him uh, on publicly on his Twitter feed. He's been, obviously, there was this long uh, New Yorker profile about it. Um, it's becoming more widely known about his spectacular falling out with the Brinhouse family, one of his top clients. Uh, he they they went pretty hard against him. They said that he needlessly politicized the case. You might remember he was the one who compared uh, Kyle Rinhouse's shootings to uh, the soldiers at Lexington and Concord. It was this type of rhetoric. And I had uh, Wendy Rinhouse tell me that she was upset by his use of the word militia in response, in uh in connection with her son, saying that Kyle Rinhouse was not a member of the militia. Uh, such a statement was damaging to their criminal defense, she said. So almost certainly the, you know, there is pressure building on him. And he seems to uh be saying publicly that he anticipates uh you know that pressure mounting on him as you noted. Is anyone currently th that we know of investigating this fund or the, you know, the money coming in, the money going out? Is, is anybody looking at this or is it mostly just pressure coming from the Rittenhouse family at this point? One thing that we do know is that the prosecutors who are prosecuting Kyle Rittenhouse described Fight Back as a slush fund for Pierce and the other, you know, they said that in a court filing. Ah. Um, one can. So <laughs> when. Uh, a prosecutor uses that kind of language in a public filing, in a legal brief, it tends to attract widespread attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it could also mean that they are, you know, that they have looked into it at least somewhat. So that's, yeah, coming, so that's coming at it from the Kyle Rittenhouse investigation standpoint. Right. And so, uh, you know, I alluded to what uh, John Pierce has written publicly, uh, so he, you know, I'm looking at a couple of his tweets now. Uh, one of the tweets said, received word that pretrial detained January 6th defendants. He, remember, he's representing a number of them who, of course, should be presumed innocent. He writes, who want to retain me are not being permitted to contact me, apparently because I'm the greatest threat to the January 6th narrative in the country. Please demand justice. <laughs> now, you know, whatever self-aggrandizing statement that might be, he continues, do not be surprised if there is a decisive move by the government to remove me from the chessboard. Keep a close eye out. He got a letter, dude. <laughs> he mm. so got a letter. That's all speculation. That's total beans. I have no proof of that. But that's the kind of stuff that, you know, when Roger Stone got a letter, he started talking like that. When Trump Borg got a letter, they started talking like that. When Gates got a letter. So, you know, I think or actually I, I don't think Gates started talking until a little bit later when the, he knew that the public was going to find out about it. But still, 
Yeah, that seems like he could be wrapped up in that. But again, we'll have to wait and see. We don't know. We don't know. We don't have any evidence or any reporting that any investigators have contacted John Pierce about this quote unquote slush fund. We still don't know, but I know that you're watching it closely and you'll keep us updated. Yes, absolutely. Thank you very much. Yeah, awesome. Now, I do have a couple other questions about some crack and stuff, but I have to take a quick break. Will you stay with me? Of course. You're the best. Hold on, everybody. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's AG, and this segment of The Beans is brought to you by BetterHelp. They provide professional, convenient online counseling. Life is very unpredictable, as you know. We have ups and downs, and sometimes it can be difficult, stressful, or downright overwhelming to cope with. But the great thing is you don't have to cope with it alone. And if you're dealing with anything preventing you from living a happy, fulfilling life, I highly recommend BetterHelp. BetterHelp provides professional counseling to help you navigate these challenges. It's not a crisis line or self-help. It is licensed professional therapy done securely online. And they assess your needs and they match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And you can start communicating in fewer than 24 hours. You know, I've had issues with anxiety and PTS, and it's hard to ask for help. But this makes it so convenient and easy. And it's just so important to know that you're not alone. You get timely and thoughtful responses from your counselor, and you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, too. And they're committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change your counselor if you want to. And it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aids available. So please visit their website and read some testimonials like this one by user SY, who says, I had for years put off getting help or had seen more physicians who often felt generic or didn't feel appropriate or comfortable for my situation. Joining this counseling was one of the best decisions I've made this year. My counselor, Marianne, has shown great commitment, care, empathy, and understanding, and has provided me with the tools to help me navigate my everyday. And I feel excited to heal and regain a sense of agency. Thank you. So visit BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced, licensed professional. Special offer for Daily Beans listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. Everybody, welcome back. We're talking to Adam Klasfeld from the Objections podcast. And uh, before the break, I alluded to some cracking stuff. We were all waiting for this July 6th hearing on sanctions for a group of elite strike force cracking Trump lawyers. And July 6th has come and gone. Can you give us an update on on that? And some I think there's some new information that we're getting on a, on a filing from those lawyers. Yeah, hot off the press. Now, we, you might remember the reason why the hearing was originally postponed was that one of the Kraken lawyers had July 4th plans, as many people did over the past uh, uh, holiday weekend. So the judge granted a brief continuance. It's now scheduled for early next week. And a brand new filing, all of on behalf of all of the attorneys who appeared in that Michigan Kraken litigation, they said, in essence, we've retained counsel. Can our counsel appear instead of us? Now, remember, the judge ordered every file, every lawyer who appeared on a pleading or filing to appear in court. So now they're asking, hey, can we appear through our counsel instead? Um, we will see what the judge does with this. Um, usually federal judges, it's a pretty bold move to ask them uh, if they can amend their pretty explicit instructions uh, far after the judge on the eve of a hearing, essentially. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what she does with that. But they have retained counsel and they are making a pretty bold request for that federal judge. And remind us what the case is that the judge is having a sanctions hearing about. So this the, this was one of the 
cases in the four states where the Kraken team filed. Remember, they filed in Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, Arizona, and Georgia. Lost all of them. They lost very decisively in all of them. But in Michigan, uh, they had a sanctions motion filed against them uh, by the city of Detroit, asking them essentially to disbar every lawyer on that case. Uh, that's, you know, at the maximum level of sanctions. There's also an attorney's fees motion. And the uh, state officials there have requested disbarment from the bar associations directly. Now, uh, so these are very serious sanctions being requested. And this is from the effort to overturn the election through the federal court system. Uh, all four of the judges in the Kraken litigation delivered very passionate rulings that this this was these were not close cases. They were soundly defeated. And so they're coming into court having convincingly lost their case. And the judge is sending what appears to be a shot across the bow in asking them to appear in person. Mm. Yeah, I, I thought it was pretty like yikes myself. And as a matter of fact, you know, I mean, in my short tenure following legal cases and my I mean, my narrow scope, mostly Mueller stuff and Trump stuff, I've never seen a, a call for a sanctions hearing. So I don't know how to, you know, usually I can predict and weigh in on stuff. But for them to request that their lawyers go in their stead, and I think sanctions hearings are pretty rare anyway, right. but I have no idea how the judge is going to respond to that request. It seems to me like, no, I'm going to sanction you and you have to be there. But, you know, who knows? I have no, I have no idea how the, how the judge is going to respond. And of course, it's, it's speculative of me to say that the judge is going to sanction these lawyers anyway. But uh, to have a sanctions hearing where everyone has to show up in short notice it seems like that's kind of the way they're going. But again, that's speculative. I mean, have you seen a, you've you've been following legal st stuff like far longer than me and in a broad range of cases? Have you ever seen a sanctions hearing where where a group of lawyers asked for their legal counsel to appear in their stead? Well, I mean, like many of the post-election cases, they go to really untrod territory. Um, one thing that I will say with uh, in terms of an analysis that I agree with, Brad Heath from Reuters, who does excellent reporting on the courts constantly, um, he said when the they said, hey, can we appear through our counsel, that the counsel who wrote it, this is a lawyer who specializes in case representing lawyers in misconduct cases, less than a week before a hearing, delayed at his client's request to the judge's evident dismay to get them out of a Zoom meeting. This is a motion to further irritate your honor. I, I have to agree with Brad's <laughs> analysis here. <laughs> yeah, the one thing I the one thing that I do have I've seen a little bit of is these last minute sort of requests and, and judges don't really like them right Absolutely. when they've had when they've had plenty of time to like because that was my going to be my first question to you is like, but, you, you know, you sort of already covered that. Why in the hell didn't they ask for their counsel to represent them before they even asked for a delay because of the July 4th weekend? It just seems Mm, I don't know. Seems absolutely. Fishy. I mean, they they to put it bluntly, they asked for a delay for a he Zoom hearing they do not want to attend. <laughs> you know, that is a very bold request. And this is the judge whose ruling was 
the people have spoken when she when she threw away their lawsuit and their effort to overturn the will of the people in Michigan. She made a point to have a rhetorical flourish. The people have spoken. This is not a judge you want to irritate. No. And this seems like an effort that uh, that is a kind of bold and surprising move just days before that hearing. Yeah, I, I hate going to the dentist. And so sometimes I call up and, and ask for a continuance for the dentist. And they're like, <laughs> okay. And then like, you know, if I day before, I'm like, can I send my brother instead to get his teeth clean? You know, it's just, uh, yeah, I could see how that would irritate some people, particularly judges who I feel like uh, have a short temper for this kind of bullshit. But we'll see, you know, what's all speculative. We will see what happens. And I'm assuming I can invite you back on to tell us what happens in this case, because when is the hearing, the the sanctions hearing that now that has been delayed? It will be on Tuesday, I believe. Tuesday, the, probably the 13th. But 13th, that is correct. The court, still, the judge would need to respond to this motion for having their counsel be there instead of them. I'm, I'm assuming he'll say, no, see you on the 13th, <laughs> but who knows what will happen. So we'll talk after. The one difference between what the... Uh, judge and the dentist can do i think that the pain a federal judge can inflict might be more enduring (laughs) (laughs) and that you don't get you don't get local anesthetic for that kind of (laughs) for that kind of bench slap either like uh hey uh your honor can i be sedated for this hearing please uh laughing gas twilight sleep perhaps that would be great yeah i don't think they allow for that Anyway, thank you so much for your time today. Everybody check out Adam Klasfeld's uh, podcast, incredible podcast. It's called Objections. And if you get a chance, you're going to want to bone up on this Linwood John Pierce stuff. What was the episode? When did that air, that whole Rittenhouse episode? Because I think people are going to want to polish up on what's going on in this particular case, because I think it might start heating up. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, the episode title, it's the ninth episode of the podcast, and it's called Beyond Fight Back, Untold Tales of Linwood and How Kyle Rinhouse's Mother Sees It All. Awesome. So everybody check that out. And you should be adding and subscribing to the Objections podcast to get in your feed. It's good. It's good stuff. Thank you so much. We will talk soon. Adam Klasfeld. Thank you very much, Allison. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. I'm just kidding, everyone. Just kidding. We aren't going to go to the good news quite yet because just what about 20 minutes after I ended the interview with Adam Klasfeld, we got a minute order from the judge. And so I said, let's jump back on to a call. Adam, what does the what does the minute order say? <laughs> Movement's ex parte motion to appear via counsel is denied. And, you know, there, there's some text after that, but denied is in all capital letters. Now, I'm going to go about this a little bit indirectly, Allison. You know, sometimes you're giving live analysis and, you know, things seem it looks like the writing's on the wall. Right. It seemed pretty clear the judge was going to deny it. And that's what I told you just a short time ago. And rarely do you see just minutes after discussing <laughs> a just recent development that one's analysis is totally vindicated. So uh, <laughs> thank you to U.S. District Judge Linda Parker for, uh, <laughs> for, for actually just showing that my analysis on this issue was on point. But to be fair, I cannot claim credit. As I said, this was a completely 
very bold last minute request where you had a Kraken lawyer asking for a continuance for their holiday vacation and then saying, oh, by the way, can I not go altogether and go via my attorney? She rejected it without fanfare in very short order. I, I fucking love it. I, I, you know, because you and I are sitting there and we're, you know, we're very care- We're like, hey, this is just speculation. We don't know. But oh, my God, they're totally going to deny it. They have. That's like. And then we talked about like 96 reasons why we thought, but you know, we, we were very careful. And then seriously, I wrap up the interview. I I text a friend like, Hey, how's it going? Sit down in front of the TV to turn the news back on. And then I get a text from you. That was just, it just couldn't have gone any better. So thank you for jumping back on this call with me, everybody update, update shocker of all shocks. Uh, the motion to appear via council is denied and they have to show up in person, which I think is what I said word for word to you. <laughs> And actually, they need to appear in person via Zoom, via Zoom. They were trying to get out of a Zoom meeting, which after a long pandemic, I'm sure lots of people get it. But it's it makes their requests to a federal judge even bolder. Oh, yeah, that they that they didn't want to appear by Zoom. But yeah, that's that's exactly right. And uh, it's exactly what we thought. And uh, I just wanted to jump back in. Tell everybody that again, everybody check out the Objections podcast. Thanks so much. This has been a real fun day. And hey, in the next 20 minutes if something else happens i'll get you back on the phone <laughs> sounds like a plan thank you again no problem everybody adam Klasfeld. uh stick around we'll be right back for real well maybe with the good news hey everybody it's ag for the beans i used to get the worst headaches and watery eyes and just tired sort of i don't know i felt my lids were heavy and it was because I was staring at screens all day. And, and there's a lot of that blue light that comes from the screens. But I found the solution. It's called Blue Blocks. They're these amazing glasses. They have a variety of beautiful frames designed specifically to solve these problems. I got the blue light computer glasses for headaches, sore eyes, digital eye strain, and watery eyes and fatigue. They also have the Summer Glow Blue Light glasses for during the day. They have yellow lenses designed to help with migraine, stress, anxiety, or low mood. Or if you have trouble sleeping, you can try the Sleep Plus Blue Light Blocking Glasses. Their amber lenses help with poor sleep, fatigue, low energy, and jet lag. They're really amazing. Super easy to use. You just wear them. They're beautiful, stylish glasses. And the blue light computer glasses and the summer glow glasses you wear during the day when working with screens or under artificial light. If anyone works in those offices with, you know, fluorescent lights. And you can wear the Sleep Plus blue glasses about two to three hours before bedtime to help create more sleep hormones and aid with better sleep. I've tried other brands, but none compared to Blue Blocks. Um, Their science-backed technology is tested to ensure they really work, and they really do. I, I, I noticed such a huge difference. Unlike other blue light glasses, these glasses are made in optics laboratories in Australia. They're science-backed, and they're so stylish. Their frames have been featured in Vogue. They might be a little more expensive than other brands, but I guarantee you they're worth the extra investment because the other brands just didn't work for me. You'd be throwing your money away. I love them personally. They've really helped me. Since I've been wearing the blue light computer glasses from Blue Blocks, I literally have no more digital eye strain. It's truly amazing. I don't get the headaches anymore in the afternoon. Uh, with glasses for every need, blue light for helping with digital eye strain, summer glow for low mood and migraines, and sleep plus for improving your sleep, Blue Blocks has other amazing products too, like low blue light bulbs and red light therapy devices, and 100% blackout sleep masks, which are so wonderful, especially when I'm traveling. And it's all backed by science, which I love. Blue Block ships worldwide in rapid time and has easy returns and exchanges. So go to blueblocks.com slash dailybeans. Use code dailybeans, all one word, to save 15%. That's blueblocks.com, B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com slash daily beans and use coupon code daily beans to save 15%. 
And today's show is also brought to you by Caliper CBD. Taking care of yourself doesn't need to add to your stress. That kind of goes against the whole concept of self-care. But since I started taking Caliper CBD, I've noticed a marked improvement in my stress levels, overall sense of calm. I've had a lessening of pain and soreness, especially after workouts, and I've been able to fall asleep easier. And the best part about Caliper CBD is I get all the benefits without drastically changing my routine. There's no stress here. Caliper is so convenient, they've created an easy-to-use, more effective CBD powder, which is the only clinically proven fast-acting CBD. Rather than taking oil or tinctures that you have to hold under your tongue, Caliper created a dissolvable powder that delivers 30 times more CBD in the first 30 minutes versus the oils and tinctures. That way you get all the benefits so fast. And while CBD oils can take over an hour, you get these effects in just 10 minutes. Caliper CBD was developed by food and science experts with decades of experience. It's rigorously tested for purity and quality at every step. And there's no weird taste, no oily residue. And it mixes because it's not oily. It mixes easily in food or drink. Uh, I like to stick it in a protein shake after a workout. That's perfect. It's helped me calm down and relax, even when stress gets kind of overwhelming. Caliper is always THC-free, so I can feel better without the disorienting high. It's had such a positive impact on my life. My friends and family have noticed, too. And the great thing about Caliper CBD is it comes in convenient, easy-to-use packs, pre-measured to precisely 20 milligrams, so you know exactly how much CBD you're taking. It's all-natural, vegan, non-GMO, and free of fillers and added chemicals and artificial flavors. And you can get 20% off your first order when you use promo code DAILYBEANS, all one word, at trycaliper.com slash dailybeans. You can try Caliper CBD risk-free for 30 days. If you don't love it, they will give you a full refund. No risk. That's trycaliper.com slash dailybeans and use promo code dailybeans at checkout for 20% off. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news. It's on the way. That, we had like a, we had a fluffer. You gave me a good news fluffer. It's the good news for real this time. So yeah. I had a fluffer. <laughs> now we're all hot and ready for it. But well Woo-hoo. done. Yes, it's going to be a good, good news segment. If you have any good news or corrections or, yeah, you know, the whole list of stuff that we do, uh, please feel free to send them in to us at dailybeanspod.com. Click on contact. If you have a new game you want to start too, I'm all down for that. Uh, and again, if you don't have pod pet techs, uh, if, you, if this is the first time you've listened to the Daily Beans, we, uh, we, we request that you... We respectfully request that you put in a picture of your pet. If you do not have a pet, please feel free to include an adoptable pet from the shelter near you, and we'll give all the information out on the air to pay your pet tax. First up, from Mike in Ohio. Pronouns he and him. Double good news. In late 2019, I switched jobs for a major raise, and suddenly I found I had more money than I needed. If I wanted something, I could actually, I could usually afford it, which threw a wrench into asking for things for my birthday. (laughs) Yeah, I decided to just ask my friends and family to donate money in lieu of buying me things. Oh. My birthday has been fast approaching, July 8th. Oh, happy birthday today, sir. And I was having trouble deciding which charity was going to be the one. Last year, I asked for donations to a local bail fund in Cincinnati. Then I heard AG's interview with Ada of All Trans Lives Matter. And boom, I had my answer. Nice. I'm glad to say I'm asking everyone I know to donate to All Trans Lives Matter for my birthday. Pet tax, pippin, yawning, reaching out while sleeping, and sleeping under my desk. Oh, oh my goodness, pippin. <gasps> oh, I want to rub his belly. Oh. He looks very soft. I bet pippin's super soft. Super and thanks soft. so much, Mike. Thank you. Uh, yeah, her organization is so just so incredible. So thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. All right. This next one's from Danny. Pronoun she, her, they, them. A correction for sweet Dana. Oh, God. Here we go. Uh, I like how it starts, though. I love her so, hoping she remembers how to breathe tonight. You were correct, in through the nose, out through the mouth. Break a leg on your stand-up tonight. 
Oh, on your stand-up night back. I'm from eastern part of PA. Oh, this was an easy correction. Phew, thanks, Danny. Okay. I'm from the eastern part of PA, and we pronounce Lehigh like Lehigh. Okay. So it's Lehigh, not Lehigh, like I said. So we got Lehigh and Wilkes Bar as Wilkes Bear. Okay, so it's Lehigh and Wilkes Bear. Mm, I'm in. Mm. Uh, we have better mispronounced places and even better places that are oddly named. Amish country is loaded with them. So if you don't stop in bird in hand or intercourse, then you'll probably end up in blue ball or so I've heard. That's funny because AG, I've seen the map in intercourse. Everyone's like, there's intercourse. Okay. So for my pet tax, <laughs> I have so many to pick from, but I'll have to go with a couple of favorites. My daughter fork feeding her spoiled hen. Oh, oh that is a spoiled hen. Oh, <laughs> I that's jig. very sweet. Danny, thanks for the gentle correction. I appreciate it. And that looks like macaroni and cheese with vegetables in it. That looks delicious. All right. It does. Lucky chicken. Next up from Emily, pronoun she and her. If anyone has a dog, you know that dog poop bags are usually super hard to open, no matter how much you rub them against your fingers. This is why you will sometimes see dog owners spit on their fingers before rubbing the bag. Something that's hard to do with a mask on, especially while trying to wrangle a puppy and your hair if it's grown long due to not being able to get it cut. Okay, that's a really good setup so far, Emily. Emily continues, my quarantine confession is that I would sometimes rub my finger against my dog's gums to get the much needed moisture to help <laughs> open the bag when I was wearing a mask. This stopped once I realized I could use the hand sanitizer I carried with me everywhere. But that took an embarrassingly long time. Sorry, Riley Page. You got a dummy for a mommy. Riley Page is another pandemic puppy. I got her on October 16th when she was six months old. She has both challenged me and changed my life. Who would have thought that I'd make two good friends during the pandemic? This is thanks to our twice daily trips to the dog park. Honestly, I wish I was as photogenic as she is. Her Insta is at Riley.page.official. I've included her DNA info if you want to play What the Mutt with her. Thanks so much. Keep up the good work. Oh. Well, she is half ballerina. Yes. She's she's part sploot hound. She's part sploot. Um, wow, what a beautiful dog. I, goodness, would say... Yellow Lab. Yellow Lab and a little bit of Shepherd? I say Pity. I say she's Pity. I say there's some Pity in there, too. Oh, I wonder Boxer. Oh, good call. All right, let's see. Scrolling down, scrolling down. Ah, Pity. Lab. Samiad and Rottweiler. I uh, What a beautiful dog. Things. Oh, she's... Just so cute. What a good girl, too. I like how she sits side saddle. I love when dogs sit side saddle like that. All right. This next one is short. There's no pronouns given, but this person's name, I think, was intentionally put in as Lisa Mia Moore. So I had to say Lisa, my love, but it's Lisa Mia Moore. If that happens to be your real name, congratulations, by the way, because that's awesome. Otherwise, smooth trick, Lisa. That's right. Hi, y'all. There's a store in Eagle Rock, California, where you can get vaxxed, waxed, and sip a cool one. And it literally is called Vaxxed Wax and Chillax. <gasps> That's so, what a good That's idea. Brilliant. All right, you want to take the next one too? Yeah, sure. This one's from Cat Pronoun She and Her. Good news. Find the owls. I guess for this is a new game. Awesome. The neighborhood Great Horned Owls had four babies. Exciting for us is garden time and daily beans have kept us sane. There are three in this picture. One adult, two babies. One baby is mostly hidden by a branch. Thank you, ladies, for your hard work and laughter. Let's see if we can find... Okay, I see one. I see two. Yep. I see one and two. 
but I can't find the third. Hidden by a branch. Hidden mostly by a branch. I'm not sure if the mic picked up whatever noise just came out of my chest, but I'm just assuming it didn't. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry I just made you laugh like that. We'll leave that one in for the listeners. I feel like I'm turning into my mother. Hint. Oh. Okay, hint. Parent on the right, big babies close together. Oh, those are the babies. And there's the parent. Okay, Okay, I see them all now. Parent. Baby, baby. Baby, baby. Got it. And they should be in blue. Baby, baby. Got the babysitting blues. All right, next up. Anonymous. Pronouns they, them, and she, her. Says, greetings, Beans Queens. I heard a request for good news recently, and although it's been a wild ride since the pandemic began, I do have some good news to share, so I'm sharing. Thank you. First, my son came out as transgender last year, and although there have been challenges while going through the process of telling all our family and friends, finding trans-supporting doctors and navigating new challenges with schools and testosterone injections, I'm happy to say things have been better than expected. My son was able to start T in March, and although some family members have tested our patients, none of them have even threatened to disown any of us. So I'll call that a win, considering most of our family is very religious and conservative. They even put in a sincere effort to get his pronouns right. Oh, nice. Although it sometimes feels like we make no progress, their reactions to my trans kid were, were better than my gay brother got oh, wow. some 15 years ago from the same people. That's definitely progress. And I probably owe my brother a drink for helping pave the way. Oh. Second, after having to cancel their trip over Easter last year, we were finally able to rebuy the tickets for my family to come visit us. We've lived across the country from everyone we know for five years now, and this will be the first time any family has been able to visit. It was really hard to get the money together and plan the time off work for everyone to come last year, and it was absolutely heartbreaking to have to cancel in just, just a few weeks before. I'm so excited to see my siblings and my nephew again. I can hardly contain myself. Third, oh, this is just so much good news. Only a couple of years after we relocated across country for my husband's job, they moved it two hours further away, which meant my husband only got to come home on weekends for a long time. He had to threaten to take another job, but he convinced his boss to let him work from home a few days a week. So he's only gone three days now instead of five. It's nice to feel like we actually live together again. I have a submission for What the Mutt as well. I've sent you pictures of our dog Willow before for pet tax, and you correctly pegged him as a Pyrenees. However, he was a rescue, and we were never sure if he was purebred or not. We recently had him DNA tested and were surprised to find he's only three-quarters Pyrenees, though he inherited 100% of the stubbornness and propensity for barking. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give you the only clue we ever had that he might be mixed. He only weighs 100 pounds. For pet tax, I am including a picture of our calico cranberry which my son sent to me a few weeks ago with the caption, small criminal, S-M-O-L. He cracks me up, as does the exceptionally weird cat. I hope our good news makes someone else smile today. And so many of the good news submissions have made me smile since I started listening. Thanks, ladies, for facilitating this little corner of joy. Oh, there's a puppy. Oh, gosh. Oh, my goodness. Dog is so cute. Okay, let's see. I've been looking at the dog's face. Obviously, great Pyrenees, but I see... Don't laugh, but I see a Pomeranian, which I know did not happen because, oh my God, how would that even take place? (laughs) But don't you see, don't you see a little Pomeranian in the face? I do. And there, you know what, you're right though. You bring up a good point. It's a dog with a shorter snout. This Pyrenees has a shorter snout than most peers. I'm not going to be able to guess. There could be so many things. You know what? We'll just say chow chow, right? Because they're everywhere. They're little. Yeah. And you know what? There's some little spots on the nose that may... Oh, like a scroll. We're going to scroll. Oh, here's a better picture or a bigger picture. I should say I'm picturing. Is maybe there's an Australian sh- shepherd in there, an Aussie, Aussie, 
Aussie, yeah, oh. Australian Shepherd, nope. Aussie. I don't. Let's That's see. Let's see what we got. Let's see what we got. Great Pyrenees Border Collie. That's what very I was, close. I was though. trying to think of Lassie. Yeah, and I couldn't remember what kind of dog she was or he. And twelve percent Marema Sheepdog. I have no idea what a Marema Sheepdog huh. is. So hmm. there's also more. I have to look that up. There's a German Spitz. Oh, there there's two percent German Spitz and one percent Alaskan Malamute. Oh, I love Malamutes. They're so talky. Then they whisper and then they howl at you. Yeah. They're adorable. Well, thank you so much for that. And what a great batch of good news. And um, thanks to everyone for submitting. If you have anything you want to submit, you can do so by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. Dana, are you ready for your show? I am. We're going to do this. I got a half an hour set, apparently. So let's just kick off some dust and go big. Somebody else offered me another comedy show. I know you said, and I think you should, but you're not sure. Did I, 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 I told you, I said, well, how long is the set? They wanted me to headline. They're like 30 minutes. I'm like, how long is the feature? And they're like 12. And I'm like, how about I just feature? <laughs> I would have done the same thing. But but trust me, when I asked, I'm like, I know it doesn't matter. <laughs> when I asked how much time I was doing and she said 30, I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised how hard it is to talk for 30 minutes and be funny every 10 seconds. Seriously. All right. Well, uh, break legs and we will um, we'll see you tomorrow. Everybody, until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. I've been AG. And I've been DG. Nems the Beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for the Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.